want to I want to read a quote that I heard one time. I wrote it down and uh, uh, just kind of pay attention to this quote, quote and think about your life. Life is the dance between what we want and what we fear the most. Couldn't read my writing there. I left a word out, so let me do it again. Life is the dance between what we want most and what we fear most. So if you look at your life on a natural basis, you're going to see that there's a battle going on because we all want things. In fact, I probably pretty safe to say that every single one of us has some arena life that we want more in. But we're willing, unwilling to step into it. That's the battle of want and fear. Now, you may not look at his fear, but well, what if it doesn't work? What if this? What is that? I saw something the other day. I remember this goes back uh, probably decades and years ago. Somebody was talking about something they wanted to do. And they were actually on the forefront of a curve that became very popular. And they would have made a lot of money. But the initial expense to step into it was too high that they, 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 they backed off from doing it. Life is the dance between what we want most and what we fear most. Now, there's a third factor that comes in if you're a Christian, and it's what God wants. Now you got this, this kink in the, the wheel. God's saying, go this way, and we're thinking, but I want this. I'm just trying to figure out how to get out of my stuckedness in order to get to it. And God said, no, go this way. And what God's going to do is he's going to take us around and bring us back into a groove that's going to fulfill our purpose. It just doesn't look like it. Are you with me? Amen. So turn, if you would, to Ephesians chapter 1. Yes. Thank you. And I'll look at verse 5 here. Having predestinated us. Now, I want, I want to pause on this word for a minute. There's a lot of doctrines out there. Uh, there's, one, uh, there's one theological belief system is that when you were born, you were predestined for whatever it is that you live in life. Like you were predestined to go to hell. You were predestined to be a failure. You were predestined or God in his sovereign power chose people and said, OK, you're going to be a this and you're going to be a that. And you're, oh, oh, you know, you're going to be a Christian. You'll follow me and you're going to be stuck on this and you're going to be in this grind. But that's actually not what this means. If you just break down the word predestinated, um, uh, having predestinated us, he's going to actually explain the predestination. But I want to break down the word pre means before. That's all it means is, uh, what, in fact, just go back up to verse 4. According as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that you should be holy without blame before him in love. So, so having predestined or before this world ever came into existence, destinated, destination, the end result. So before the foundation of the world, God established the destination for all of us. OK, he didn't he didn't predestine the decisions that we would make. He predestined the outcome that we all have the ability to walk in. Now, the destination we find ourselves in typically comes from the choices that we make. What's that old uh, John Wayne um, quote? Life is hard, but it's harder if you're stupid. 
Okay, now, now don't get mad at stupid. I know a lot of people get offended at that word. But, but the word stupid just literally means you know it's not going to work yet. You do it again. Okay, as opposed to ignorance. Ignorance and stupid is not the same thing. Ignorance is you didn't know. You were ignorant of the information. You tried it and it didn't work. Now, if you repeat it, you're stupid. Amen. Sorry for this first grade level class. But that's what those, so have, verse 5, having predestinated us unto the adoption. So that's the destination. He wants us adopted. Now you know, now Tammy's adopted. Most of you know that. She's told her story and different things like that. She was adopted at what, just a few days old. And, um, and so uh, in the eyes of the law, so her mom and dad are not her biological mom and dad. But in the eyes of the law, they are. Every right, now she has uh, three siblings that were biologically born from her adopted parents. But in the eyes of the law, there is no difference between them and, and Tammy. And then a lot of you know Kelly that was here. He was adopted also. Uh, there is no difference. They have, Kelly and Tammy adopted, they have all the same rights and privileges as the biologically born because an adoption in its correct form, which is based after the word of God, is you are now part of this family. Now, what God did on the predestination is he set up the end. I want to adopt you as my child. And, and you can go into the verses and read all the verses. I will be a father to you and you will be my sons and daughters. And, you know, there's all kinds of verses that, that inference this word. But in God's eyes, what he did before the foundation of the world, the destination he made was that you and I could be his sons and daughters. It's not a, well... Well, I, I just don't know if I qualify. No. In the eyes of spiritual law, you is. Now, you and I, because of identity purposes and things like that, we may struggle with it. But, but not in the eyes of the law. So he says, let's go back to our verse. Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. Now, we have to understand that adoption operates according to the good pleasure of him. See, the Bible talks, y'all staring at me like, no, sir, I, I just got adopted. I don't have to do anything. No, when, when the two sons were in the house, they were sons and had access to everything. One of the sons decided he wanted to go out and live the way he wanted to live. And when he went out, uh, this is the story of the faithful father. The father gave him everything that was of his inheritance. He went out and he started living a riotous life, <clears throat> ended up in the pig pen. And finally he came to himself. <coughs> he came back home to the father who was welcome. They're waiting with open arms. Didn't chase him down. Didn't try to fix him. This is one thing modern American doesn't figure out when they get a wayward child is they got to go chase after him to try to fix everything. It doesn't work. Follow, follow God. That's right. yes. Follow God's model. He was, he, when he came back, he welcomed him with open arms, but he didn't go get in the pig pen with him. He didn't go <clears throat> lasso him in to come back into the house. He let him live his life. But when he came back, he received him joyfully. And the other son said, why are you throwing a big party for my brother who's been living this way? 
And the father looks at him and says, don't you know everything in this house is yours? You could have had a party every week if you wanted to. He just had an identity problem. You and I can have an identity problem, but from God's standpoint, on the pre, before the foundation of the earth, the, uh, the, the destination was adoption. I want you in my family. But the adoption works. See, once the young boy went out on his own, he no longer had access to the father's provision. Amen? Amen. Okay, let's try this again. I'm going to pull Peter here on you. Once, once the kid left the house, he no longer had the access to what the father had. Okay, am I talking about the prodigal son or am I talking about us? Thank you. Thank you. I'm making a point here. Amen. All right. So, verses 6 through 8 expands upon this according to his good pleasure. I'll just read over it quickly. That we would be to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence. Okay, now, I want to read verse 9. Having made known unto us the mystery of his, of his will. God has a will. Do you know what a will is? Will is a driving force of people. It's what I want to do. It's my will. Okay? So he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which is the same thing we read up in verse 5, which he hath purposed in himself. He wants us. He has a will for us. Now, uh, Peter's story about going to the recruiting office. That kind of sounded like more of his mom's will than his will. It definitely was not the recruiter's will. Okay? So, so if you're in that dynamic, mom is wanting to get him off the streets, get somebody who's strong enough to, to just knock him down, uh, strip everything out of his personality, build him back up into a man that won't walk the way he's walking. But his will wanted to live the life that he was living at the time. And the recruiter's will was, yeah, I don't want to, this, this problem's beyond our, our capabilities and I don't want to deal with this. So in an interaction with all of us, there is a will component. Yeah. Now what we're talking about right now is the will of God, which is His good pleasure. He wills for us to do His will. Now, do you see the problem here? Because in his willing for us to do his will, he's battling what? Our will. Thank you. You don't think he's battling your will? This is the battle that we walk into. I want to do this. I want to go this way. Okay, I I want the things you have, God, but now we've got to deal with these other things that I want. God wants us to will his will. See, there's a difference between, okay, got to go to church. Okay, you're supposed to give. <clears throat> okay, got to pray. Now, you remember Old Testament. If you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the, the good of the land. Now, we can all personalize this. Just think back 
uh, when you were a child, you're under your parents' domain, and your mom or your dad told you to go do something, take out the trash, cut the grass, you know, whatever it is, and you didn't want to, but you did it because you didn't want to get grounded, TV taken away from you, or whatever. Okay. Were you willing? No. But were you obedient? Yes. Okay, so you can be, you cannot be willing and still be obedient, but is that person going to eat the good of the land? No. no. You, you, can, you can be willing, but put other things in front of it and end up not being obedient. Oh, man, man I was going to do that. I was going to do that, but, but I had to get this and this and this and this. Are you going to eat the good of the land? If you be willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. All right. So now, so, so we're looking at this in God's perspective. Uh, let me read verse 9 again before I make this statement. Having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself. Now, this is going to deal with all the ends, hymns, in Christ uh, elements of the word of God. We are, you and I are, what we are by the working of our will. Anybody here make a stupid decision in life? You paid the penalty for it? Amen. Okay. Was that God's will that you made a stupid decision? No. no, it was your will. So we are what we are by the working of our will. Now, the will of mankind is the driving force of a person. So even if you're going to live a life in faith, you want to be a faith giant, you're going to have to get your will in the right position to do that. See, we can be obedient, say like in elements of church. We're a good churchgoer, but not be willing. Not have a will to do it because God said to do it. And that's where the battle comes and the struggle in this life is this battle of will. Now, if not for will, Adam and Eve would have never ate the forbidden fruit. They couldn't have. Because if it was not for will, then they would be under command or under constraint. God would have said, I sit this before you. You'll never touch it because even if you get close, I got an angel here, they're going to knock you back 10 feet. You might do that once or twice. There's a few of you that probably do it three times. And, uh, uh, but eventually you would learn that you can't do that. Remember the, uh, uh, the old, uh, there's a scientific study years ago. There was a, a you know, a, a fish that ate like minnows or something like that. And they, they, the fish was in this tank and they put a cylinder in the tank and they put these minnows in it that it eats. So the fish can see the, uh, the, the minnows. And I think they had like little uh, hole punches in there so it could smell the fish and whatnot. And it would come up and then it would like dart to eat it. But when it darted, it hit its nose against the cylinder and, uh, and it didn't get the fish. And it did it a number of times, three, four, five, seven, whatever it was. And then it stopped. Once it stopped doing that, they pulled the cylinder out and the minnows would right by the front of the face. It wouldn't eat it because it had learned that that doesn't work for me. See, if we do things by our will and just as the same thing, if it was not for will, Adam and Eve wouldn't eaten 
uh, of the forbidden fruit, but we can say the same thing. If it was not for will, Enoch would have never been translated. Because Hebrews 11 says, by faith, Enoch was translated. It was an act of will to get in faith. You and I are driven by our will. We make decisions according to our will. Now, God has a will. And God achieves his will uh, when we place our will secondary. Now, our adoption works according to the will of God. So God achieves his purposes and his will when our will becomes secondary to his will. And there's promises that go along with that. We're going to read it in just a minute. Now, we have a will. And our will is achieved when we raise it above God's will. God says in his word, this is how you walk with me. And we say, and that's Old Testament. Jesus said, you read, you read the scriptures, which the New Testament hadn't been written. You read, so he's referring to the Old Testament. You read the scriptures and in them you think you have life, but they're talking about me. So Jesus is found through all the Old Testament. So anybody with a doctrine that well, that's Old Testament it doesn't apply to me, you're saying Jesus doesn't apply to you. Because everything you read in the Old Testament is testifying of Jesus. Okay, now let's go to Psalms 37. Amen. Okay, you following me? Yes. Amen. Psalms 37. Look at verse 4. Delight thyself in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of your heart. Now, this is a scripture on will. It's God's will to see us walk in. He's given us all things pertaining to life and godliness. That's in Peter. He says, delight yourself or in the Lord or allow the will of God to supersede your will. And I, the Lord, will give you the desires of your heart. I will give you the desires of your heart. What's the price tag on give? There's no price tag on give. I will give you the desires of your heart. I, I've told this, uh, this story many times, but I think it's just, uh, I just think it's a good story. I've done a lot of missionary work. Uh, I don't go on mission trips to go on vacation. I go in there, do what we're going to do, get out, go down. I've never tried, been all over the place uh, on most, uh, I think, two continents I'm lacking, uh, but been all over the place, and I've never tried to do anything for myself. But two desires of my heart that I grew up with is I always wanted to walk through Red Square. I told the story just the other day in Russia, and I always wanted to go on a safari. I went to Kenya, and uh, Pastor Harbaum called me. I was going with him, first time, my first time out of the country. And uh, he had been over in Kenya, I think, seven, eight years already, uh, doing a lot of work. We lived there three, four months out of the year uh, for the first several years. And then was going over there, and he called me up. And he says, you know, David, he says, all these years I've been going to Kenya, I've never once done a safari. He says, I'm going to do it on this trip. We're going to take one day. We're going to go on a safari and just relax on that day, and then we'll work, the, the, we'll work it around the ministry. Uh, it didn't cost me anything. didn't plan for anything. What did God do? Delight yourself in the Lord. He'll give you the desires of your heart. cost me nothing. 
and I got to go on that. Same thing with Red Square. A storm came in, changed the plans. I had to get out of where we were at early or I was going to get stuck there. And uh, from there, I was leaving to Poland, and I wasn't going to make those meetings if I didn't get out of where we were at. And the person that picked me up, who I didn't know from Adam, uh, said, have you ever been to Red Square? And I said, no. He said, would you like to go walk through it? And I said, yeah. Fulfilled the desire of my last trip I've ever been there. No, second to last trip I've ever been there uh, was, was fulfilled in my heart. See, see if, you, if you allow God will to be done, which means we have to place our will secondary, God will make sure the desires of our heart come forth. And it's, you're not going to have this, the, struggle, the struggle or the anxiousness uh, of, any, of any of it. Now, look at Proverbs 16, if we do it the other way. Proverbs 16, verse 18. If we raise our, our will above God's will. Proverbs 16, 18 says, Pride goeth before destruction, and a heart of spirit before a fall. So to raise our will above God's will is an act of pride. Now, New Testament, book of James, uh, says that God resists the proud. How are Christians ever going to get where God has called them to if God is resisting them himself? But when we raise our will above his will, now God says you're setting yourself up for a fall. Because you're opening the door to the enemy who comes to kill, steal, and destroy. If we understand how this works, it's never easy, but it works better for us. I've got to stop doing it my way. Now, now I, this would probably be pretty close to 100% accurate. Most everybody walking on the planet has some issue like the Apostle Paul that they keep doing the things they know they shouldn't. That is a statement of will. I want to do it at some level. No, 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 you don't understand. I want to get out. I always bring it back. You ever hit your, your thumb with a hammer? Did you ever try to repeat the process? Because there's no benefit to you. I don't care how destructive it is in your life. You're getting a benefit out of it if you keep repeating to do it. If you get no benefit, you'll do everything you can to avoid that. Anybody ever grab a hot stove? Do you ever try to repeat it? There's no benefit to you. Have you ever, don't answer this. Have you ever, ever had a recycling habit that you could not break that you just keep doing? You're getting something out of it even if you hate it or you say you hate it because you don't hate it, because you're getting something out of it. That's what causes I want the part, I don't want the part that's bad, I want the part that's good. Amen. Thank you. So many Christians are trying to serve the Lord without dealing with their sovereign part. Your sovereign part is your ability to choose and your choosing is based on what you desire, your will. You cannot walk with God in the fullness of the authority of the power and everything he has for us. That's why, as I've said many times, I believe most people's prayers are answered based on the compassion of God. He wants to help us and we're not utilizing faith. <clears throat> I, I, I break this down in the book of Mark and, and um, where the leper came to Jesus. I know that you can heal me if you would. And Jesus, being moved with compassion, healed him. But yet the woman with the issue of blood came up behind Jesus, touched the hem of his garment, and he said, who pulled authority out of me? Who pulled power out of me? Who touched me? 
What are you talking about who touched you? Everybody said, no, 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 somebody touched me with faith. And he found the woman, and he said, woman, your faith has made you whole. But she got to a place where getting healed was more important than getting stoned. Because she went out in public and she could have got stoned. See, our battle that we typically have is we don't get to the place where our will is strong enough to break through the barriers of what it might cost us to get what we really want. Now, the devil. You ever heard of him? The devil cannot override your will. You know, we have this saying, I just fell into sin. Uh, Quit deceiving yourself. You jumped. I guarantee you, whatever sin you caught yourself in, you thought about it back here and came up into it. Nobody falls into sin. If, If you could fall into sin, you'd be in a hole right now. You'd never get out of the hole. Because that means that the devil could violate your will. The devil does not have the power to violate your will. He only has the power of influence. Go back to Eve. He talked her into it. He got her thinking differently so she would go a different direction than the will of God. God can violate your will, but he won't. God could make us all slaves. Just like he kicked the devil out of heaven and it seemed like a lightning hitting the earth, he could, he could just throw him into, other than he'd violate his word, so he couldn't do it on that basis. But I mean, as far as the power to do it, God can violate your will, but he won't. He'll invite you to follow him because the motive behind God is, I want you as a son and daughter, but I want you to choose me. And in your choosing me, I will choose you. The devil just wants to kill, steal, and destroy. He'll do anything he can to manipulate our thinking so that we go away that that is not part of God's plan because he knows there's a a predestination in adoption that he doesn't want you and I to get in. Resisting the devil. Wait a minute. I'm not quoting scripture here. I, I wrote this down. This is David. Resisting the devil... Is, the resisting, is resisting the urge to chase our own will. So let's go back to Adam and Eve, the very first sin. Satan's talking to her. The fruit's looking good. She's wanting to try it. To resist the serpent, she would have to resist the urge that is now present in her to eat the fruit. See, I, I, I've said it before. I still say it because I hear people say it all the time. Uh, people give the devil too much credit. Oh, I'm fighting the devil. Why don't you get born again? Because he's defeated. Now, that doesn't mean he's without power because the Bible talks about his power. But his power is in the realm of influence. If he could kill you, you'd be dead. Because he comes to kill, still and destroy. Now, he can get us to do things that will kill us. But that's only where his power is. Uh, Dr. Mize told this story one time with Jackie, um, the, the wife that went to heaven pre- prematurely. And they were down in Mexico. And uh, they were real safe. Never had anything happen to them, problems or anything like that. And uh, they were in kind of this roughneck area of town. Um, and this goes back like 30 years ago or something like that. And so uh, uh, 
they're going into a restaurant. Dr. Mize knows that Jackie had left her purse in there. And um, he says, oh, Jackie, you left your purse. She said, that's fine. Just leave it there. He said, no, Jackie, you need to take your purse. I don't want it. Just leave it there. Said, fine. If you don't want it, we'll just leave it there. And somebody broke into their car. Never had it happen before, but they gave place to the enemy. They said, I don't want it. Well, the enemy's sitting there listening. If angels, according to Hebrew, listen to the word of God and are activated based on the word of God, what are demons? Fallen angels. They, they operate and act on the authority of words given to them by people. In, the, in Psalms it says that, that God made us a little lower than angels. King James Version. If you actually look up the word angels, it's Elohim. And it's uh, God has made us a little lower than God himself. Go back to the book of Hebrews. Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth uh, to serve the heirs of salvation? If God made us a little lower than angels, why would that above us in authority be operating on our behalf, serving us? It's not. What they did is they gave, they gave place. Paul says, neither give place to the enemy. They gave place by saying, I don't want it. Now, the devil's sitting there listening, and demon's sitting there listening. So, cool, uh, I'll go influence that guy right there to go walk by and look at, at it. And then, uh, and then they'll break into the car and they'll steal it. Sure enough, they did. Lost everything that was in the person, jewelry, some money. Uh, the biggest things was the driver's license, passport, and things like that that they had to go back through. The devil does not have the power to do anything until we usurp our will over the will of God. Now we give him entrance into our life to kill, steal, and destroy. You're not fighting the devil. You're fighting you. Keep your mouth shut. Submit your, your will to his will. Make a choice that I want to walk in everything that God has provided, and I'm not going to follow what I feel at the moment. I'm not going to follow what I feel at the moment. I'm not going to follow my feeling. I'm going to do what God said. I feel like eating that fruit right now. It looks really good. And it looks different from all the other fruit that we're eating. Don't follow how you're feeling. Go to Matthew chapter 4. Amen. Does this make sense? Yeah. Have I stepped on your toe yet? Yeah. Amen. Praise the Lord. I'm doing my job. Matthew chapter 6, verse 10. Jesus' prayer. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Jesus' heart and Jesus' prayer to the Father was, let your will be done here. Do you pray this? Don't answer. When, when you're going through it, when it seems like something pressing on you on every side, do you say, Lord, let your will be done? Or Lord, get me out of this mess. Now, if, if we're facing things like the offering scripture, 3 John 2 that I read, uh, we know if you're going through a financial matter and we pray, Lord, let your will be done. That's not a statement of being broke. Well, Lord, if you just want me to be poor, I'll be poor. No, he that was rich became poor that you might be rich. We know the will of God in this. If we're fighting something in our body, his will is not for us to be sick. And his will is to bring glory by healing us, us walking out of it. OK, but there are things that we don't know his will to. And we can pray, Lord, let your will be done in this. Show me which way to go. Give me peace. Let me follow you. And, and in here, and if I'm battling something, his will is always that we overcome. He overcame the world. 
If you're battling anything on the natural side, uh, you're battling depression, you're battling oppression, you're battling whatever you're battling, thy will be done. Well, his, his will is, he that the Son is set free is free indeed. His will is, he went, Jesus went about healing all that were oppressed of the devil uh, in that. So he doesn't want us oppressed, he doesn't want us depressed, he doesn't want us any rest, uh, you know, depressed, rest. Not, not rest like he wants us to rest, there is a rest for us. So wrong word, I was just trying to shorten the, the, those words of depression, oppression. He doesn't want us in any shun. That works better, right? That's his will. Thy, thy kingdom come, your will be done. But can I pray, God, let your will be done in my life? Because he might say, go to China. Well, you know, everything else but that one. Which actually, China is a great place to be. I've been there. And, uh, uh, you know, or go do this. Well, no, I don't want to do that. I just want to do your will. Well, that is my will. Go do that. See, can we pray your will be done? Because it is in his will reigning that our desires come to us. Go to Acts chapter 2. Good thing I didn't bring that other hour in here. I might be quitting before. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Do you understand the will component of this verse? Do you know how hard it is to be in one mind and one accord? Even at the family reunion, they get in fights. Well, I think we should have had peanut butter pie. No, we're having cobbler today, you know, and, and they start battling everything. I, I, it's hard to get in one. In fact, most people by themselves can't get in agreement. You heard about the guy that was stranded on the island? He's there for years and years and years, and he finally gave up hope that anybody would ever uh, come get him. And, and one day a ship route, uh, pulls up. They, they spotted him from a satellite or something like that. And they came up and said, man, there's a guy living down there. He's the only one on the island. Probably needs help. So they come up and they walk up and they find him. He's like, wow, who are you guys? So well, we saw you from a satellite. We thought you might be stranded. Yeah, I didn't think I was ever going to get off this. And the, the rescuer's looking at him, you know, like I'm the rescuer. She's the one on the island. He's, they're looking behind him. And there's like all these buildings. They said, where's all the other people? He said, I'm the only one here. What's up with all these buildings? Well, I had to do something, so I just started building places. And they asked him, and said, well, well, what's that building over there? Said, oh, that's my church that I go to every Sunday and every midweek. Well, well, great. What's that building over there? That's the church I used to go to. <laughs> and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all, say all, all. with one, say one, one. Accord in, say, one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a mushing, uh, rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. Now, jump down to verse 4. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit of God gave utterance. If we want to get, there's a principle here, and it all deals with wills, is if we want to get miracles back in the house. Okay, there's a principle here that if we want to get miracles, there's, a, there's an action of will. 
one place, one accord, focused on the same thing. Now, in this fulfills Acts chapter 1, verse 8, and you shall receive power. You, you can't stand alone and walk in power. It violates the, the, the principles of God. Now, now go over to, um, I think, let me see here. Go over to Matthew chapter 4. I think, I, did I skip this verse? Did I not give it to you? Okay, let me show you a pattern here. I, I, I kind of messed up here in my order. Uh, Matthew chapter 4, verse 18. Okay, and Jesus walking by the Sea of Galilee. I'm going to show you a pattern here of wills. And Jesus walking by the Sea of Galilee saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he said unto them, now, now you... If you don't know about Peter, Peter was a knucklehead. A knucklehead. He, he talked a lot before he thought. In fact, there's one verse that Pastor always, it's out of different translation, Pastor always quotes, and Peter, having nothing to say, said. You ever meet a person like that? Okay, Peter's a knucklehead. All right? He did a lot of stupid things. He denied Christ. Uh, he's mouthy, uh, you know, different things like that. So you, you keep this all in context. Okay. And, and he said, Jesus said unto them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. Now here's the pattern. God, the will of God was being displayed. So Jesus says in another verse that he did nothing except that which he heard and saw of the father. So the father had to say to Jesus, those two guys right there, call them. Now, Jesus, knowing all things, knew that Peter was one of the them. Yeah. And he probably, he, probably not because he was submitted, but if we bring it down to us, so what? <laughs> like, like, aren't there two better people or at least one better person? Because he's going to give me a lot of problems. But Jesus, being submitted to the will of the Father, turned to them and said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. So you got two wills going on. you got the will of God, you got the will of Jesus. Now, Jesus could have violated the will of God. He had the power to, but he did not do it. And then when Jesus spoke, or spoke to the, the two fishermen, now they have a will. They don't have to follow him. So you've got three wills that are in perfect alignment, and the perfect alignment changed, along with the other ten disciples, changed human history because of one mind and one accord. Now go to Genesis chapter 11. Amen. This is the format. Genesis chapter 11. This is the story of the Tower of Babel. We're only going to read one verse in it. Verse 6. And, uh, and at the Tower of Babel, verse 6 says, And the Lord said, Behold, the people is one. Say one. one. And they all have one language. Say one. one. And this they begin to do. Now nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. So again, we see the power of unity in what is, what, is um, what God wanted or what God had set up. Now, you have to understand here, if they're going to build a tower, it's going to take a lot of different people doing a lot of different things. Mm -hmm. Every person had to submit their will 
to another element or at least to the vision to align themselves to achieve this oneness. When we are unwilling, we have exercised an act of our will. See, if one wheelbarrow pusher at the Tower of Babel says, yeah, I don't want to do this. I'm sure there was somebody in there, we start work too early. And I'm sure there was somebody else in there said, we work too long. We need to start a union. But th that didn't happen there. They all aligned themselves into where they were going in their place. And we go back into the New Testament, and he says that God has set each of us a member in his body. Now, in the member of his body, I dealt with this on my live stream on um, Friday, uh, that when we're set in there, it's according to his will, not according to our will. This is where, and I dealt with it in much more depth, people that say, you know, I am the church, or that's Old Testament or something. They don't understand the working of the Bible. Because Jesus said, I've come to build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And Jesus building his church, it's his body. And just like if, if your body's not functioning, if there's something growing in your body that shouldn't be there, you will go and have it cut out. Yet for some reason, people think that because the church is a body that I am the church and I can do whatever I, I, I want to. But the power comes in the unity. If I, David Shipman, will yield myself will yield myself to what God wants me to do. I will be in the unity of where he places me. Because what he's called me to do will fit perfectly into something bigger than me that I can walk in. And the thing that we all have to battle is my will. So this is where I, I come back. I teach it all the time. My only problem is David. Is keeping me where, where my will doesn't usurp your will or God's will. See, because if you put pressure on me, you're going to start pressing on my will. That's why when people get around their families that are heathens, they won't stand up for what they believe. They'll yield to the pressure because they don't want to feel uh, awkward with somebody around them. Pastor Harbaugh, if you watched him stream this morning, he told the story that he was in a business meeting and, and one of the business leaders in his county. Now, his county is a county like where pretty much everybody knows each other, at least the, the people that are you know, wealthy or in politics or something like that, because his whole county only has 40,000 people in it, not the town, the whole county. So it's a, it's a very rural place. And uh, one of these business leaders came up and he says, uh, that church of yours down the street, he says, are you one of those like Pentecostal types? And he said, yes, we are. And he says, so, so you guys like speaking tongues? He says, this is where you're going to find out if you really believe what you're going to believe, what you say you believe. He said, the, the man's putting pressure. He said, yes, we do. He jokingly said, yes, we do. Want to see? Uh, but he said, he didn't say, he said, yes, you do. So, oh, well, that's really interesting. See, when somebody comes up and talks to you, why don't you do that? I don't believe it. I don't believe in doing that. You're destroying yourself. I want to be with Jesus. Who am I more concerned with? He who holds the world in his hand or he who has an opinion? I tell you, there's a way that works. And it works a lot better than the way of this world. 
but it's our will that keeps us out of it. And you know what people are really good at doing? Manipulating the word of God to support their will. Don't do that. Try and actually believe that God is intelligent enough to communicate what he thinks. Say, well, yeah, but it's not God that, that I'm really concerned about on how he communicates. It was translated into different languages because guess what? Jesus or the Holy Spirit, when they were giving you know, all the words going back to Genesis and everything of the Bible, it wasn't in English. So then men came along and had to translate it. So that's where my concern is because not everything's translated. But give God enough credit that he could choose the right men and give uh, enough wisdom to translate his word so that you and I can live in his word and keep our will in check. Let's stand. Now next week I'm going to show you this in action because there's actually a story in the Bible that shows the power of man in his will to overcome darkness. I said it briefly uh, a little bit early on, um, if you didn't catch it. We don't have a strong enough will to overcome and do what God says it takes to do, to be successful. We want, and hey, I'm guilty of this. I've said it many times. I like Staples Easy Button. I just want to push a button and everything kind of line out. That's the battle I have. I'm, I'm the, I remember the very first message I preached. I had it all typed out because I basically read my messages in. And um, I had it all typed out in my computer. Now, this goes back to 1990, um, probably about 1994, 1995. You know, computers, personal computers had just been on, kind of on the market. Uh, my hard drive, I remember uh, specifically, it was 750 megabytes, the hard drive in the computer. And it was, when I bought it, it was like the biggest one out there. So, wow, you got 750 megabytes? I said megabytes. <laughs> Your USB drive has umpteen thousand, you know, more capacity on it. And the computer went poof. And I lost my whole message. You have no idea how much, I, I don't like doing things a second time. That's why I'm not good at building stuff. Because if it's not perfect, I just want to walk away. I, I I really struggle with this easy button concept. I want to work. I want to work right. I don't want to repeat things. That's a David struggle. But guess what? I have to learn how to change. God's word works, but there's a battle within me. If I can understand that he actually knew what he said, he actually got his word to me, and if I will follow what he said, not as I interpret it, but what he said, it will work exactly like he said. God wants us to succeed. God wants, through, through the supernatural power of God in our life, in, in, in the, the excellency of the power that dwells within us, 2 Corinthians 4, 7, he wants his light to be seen by us overcoming, us battling everything that battles against us, us, us not falling for things. He, he wants our life to work on a level that people see God in us. This is, this is like huge. He wants people to see us living at a level. We shouldn't be the ones that duct tape our car together. That's for people that don't know God. He doesn't want us to be the ones struggling to get food. We see it through the Old Testament. He provided food. 
he took ravens and, and provided food for the prophet. In the one he, he provides in the time of famine, Isaac sowed and, and received a hundredfold. He wants us to live at a level that people that cannot see God can see God through us because we're overcoming things. Not just by getting by, not by getting 90% of it, but overcoming exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think. But there's a, there's a cost to it, and the cost is in the will. Can I do it the way he said, or, or am I going to do it the way I think? Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for your word today. Lord, I, I, I believe, especially how this came about. This was a word for today, and this is a word from you. Because we're getting ready to walk through things. It just comes up, I'm going to pause my prayer for just a minute. It comes up in my heart again. Um, people are taking lightly some things that I've said earlier. You need to prepare. I've told people, make sure you've got enough food. I read an article, I think it was this week, it might have been last week. And it wasn't a Christian article, it was an investment article. And the people were talking. It's amazing how people are not seeing I mean, we talk about it. See all the, the chicken and cow plants that's caught on fire, blown up, uh, different things like that, the food processing plants. that we're, we're getting ready to walk into a time. When's it going to be? I don't know. I've been saying this for over a year, probably closer to two years. Yeah. Get ready. But this article was saying, not a Christian article, just people, investment worlds, and things that are going on in the world. They said it's amazing to us how so few people are seeing what's going on, talking about what's going on, but not preparing because we're getting ready to walk in the middle of hell on earth. That was this, I, they may have been a Christian, but it wasn't a Christian thing. If you can't see it, if, if you go by how you think, you, you're, 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 setting yourself for, you're setting yourself up for some difficult times. There are, there are things that are going on that the, the Bible says lawlessness will abound. Tammy sent me a thing on just this week about, did you see in San Francisco, that they've taken citizenship out of being a qualification to be law enforcement. Now they will hire people that are here illegally on their law, for, force, on their law enforcement force. And so if you're... Uh, if you're driving through San Francisco, you get pulled over. You might be getting pulled over by somebody that's not even here legally. Are they going to follow our rules? Are you? Are oh, it was the law for the entire state of California. San Francisco is just the first to act on it. There, there's things that are happening that are going to line up what we walk through, but God has provided all the answers of walking through it. See, you, you, you can say, well, God's going to provide for me in whatever realm you want to talk about. Yes, but sometimes he provides through wisdom. Amen. See, he raised up Joseph in Egypt to store up for seven years so that he would have for the next seven years. So did God deliver him? Absolutely. But did it take Joseph? Absolutely. If you don't have eyes to see what's going on, you're not going to see it. There's things that they're doing in the economic. I've been saying it for a long time now that they're trying to get rid of the middle class. And if you're middle class, you're not going to fall up. You better prepare yourself. Be, because there's things that are going on that most people, and, and I understand our schools don't teach us, 
Uh, and most people don't understand economic cycles and what the Fed does and the printing of money and how it, how it affects everything that we're doing and all the different components on doing that, interest rates, inflation, and everything that's working on that. I get it because most people haven't taken economic courses, but they're still happening. Not understanding doesn't make it not apply to you. We, we, we've got to now, because our biggest part is we go by or we drive our lives. The biggest driving force in our life is the will, is our will. I'm doing what I think to make the life that I want. God says, do what I say and I'll give you the life that you want. You have to change your thinking about how it works because just because you're a nice person and you're pretty and you've got all, uh, you know, your, your heart, well, I intend to do it this way. It's not that. It's what you're doing. We do. The system of sowing and reaping does not change. If you sow to your flesh, of the flesh shall reap corruption. But if you sow to the spirit of the spirit, you shall re reap life. That's in Galatians. I'm quoting a scripture to you. The will of man is the battle. What I think. Operates in that. Lord, I, I just, I, I come back. God, open the eyes of our understanding. Lord, there's things that are going on that most people don't understand. And because they're not present at our door, we're not dealing with them because we want. We want to pursue this. We want to pursue that. We'd like to achieve this. We'd like to achieve that. But we have not aligned ourselves to walk in the power that we can resist, that we can give, and that we can stand fast in the three areas of redemption. God, show us how to do it. Let us get out of our, our intellectual minds, out of our, our thinking about what somebody said. God, and let us go back to the word about what you said. The word is truth and everyone else is a liar. We, we've got to align our lives to walk in this. And Lord, I, I'll be the first to confess it's not easy. Man, you're challenging. But I have to bring myself to, to know that you're faithful also. And you don't say anything that's not truth. So I challenge everybody here this morning that if you're willing, surrender your will to God. In every arena of your life, surrender your will to God. Not just a song that we sing, not just a phrase that we say. God, I'm going to do what you say, whether it makes sense to my brain or not. Whether I've got people in my life barking at me, I'm, gonna, I'm going to walk with you because it is in you that you're going to make all these things work. It's when we submit to you that our families are held together. It's when we submit our will to you that our money is held together. It's when we submit our will to you that our, our health is held together. Lord, everything that you've provided, everything that you've given to us, God, it is in your word, God. If I can keep my will submitted below your will, making it secondary to your will, I can walk in the promises that you've, you've created and we can keep our country and we can keep our, our walk with you in safety that we've known for so many years, if we will yield ourselves to you and get out of our politics, get out of our minds, get out of the way we think and just do what you said to do. Lord, I thank you for this opportunity, Lord. And I ask you, Lord, just a time of repentance. For, forgive us, Lord, where we've exerted our will above your will. Lord, and there's been times that we've done this that we haven't even seen it. Show it to us, God. Show it to us. I, I ask you, Lord, to forgive us, Lord, of the times that we've done it, but show it to us so we don't repeat it. We don't want to be among the stupid. We, we want to know what works, what doesn't work, and how we're operating, God. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that we'll walk in it. And, Lord, that your word and your power, God, would be released in us.